Hi, everyone, and welcome back to RPG R&D. I am one of your co-hosts, Jess Geyer. I'm also one half of Wannabe Games, a TTRPG designer, and with me is my co-host, Craig Campbell. Hi, Craig. Oh, hi, Jess. I'm Craig, um, and I'm uh, the owner of Nerdburger Games, uh, and I make role-playing games as well and do a lot of GMing, as, uh, as we all do here. And we've got a guest today. Yes, our special guest co-host, Morgan. Hi, Morgan. Hello, thanks for having me. Um, Morgan, uh, they, she pronouns. You can find me on all the socials at Serena Bezos. I am a tabletop content creator, so I do actual play podcasts, uh, live streams, writing, sensitivity consulting, pretty much the whole gambit at this point. <laughs> You're all over the place. Oh gosh, am I? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that's, you know, speaking from the designer publisher standpoint that's if you're in if you're involved in the industry in some way whatever part and there's a lot of different hats right it's you know a lot of people end up with wearing a lot of different hats and doing a lot of different things because they're all sort of interconnected oh yeah for sure yeah there are very few people who just have like one specialization like i do a lot of things too i think that comes to the territory of being indie in general <laughs> you have to learn how to do so much on your own mm-hmm. so but yeah, thank you for coming uh, uh, onto our podcast today. We have two topics for today. Uh, Craig, do you want to kind of get into what we're going to do for this afternoon? Uh, sure. Um, as always, we're going to kind of hit on a jamming topic and then a game design topic. And uh, so far, Jess and I have done a very good job of pairing these up for the past few weeks and for the foreseeable future, it looks like. Yeah. We're finding interesting ways to pair. <laughs> this This week is... Um, the jamming topic is handling player conflict at the table. Um, and you'll see the pairing up when we get to the game design side. So uh, this is one of those topics that I think it, it in, inevitably crops up in um, in kind of social media discourse. It's something that's been discussed a lot, um, talked about a lot um, back in the day before the social media. Like it was like hot button forum topic issue. People blogged like crazy about it. There's a lot to say about um, how to handle potential player conflicts at the table. So um, what I thought we could do is to frame this a little bit is to look at it in terms of um, the different types of tables that you might be dealing with. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there are different ways that you might handle such conflict with a group of people around a table that you're all friends, you've all known each other for a very long time. Um, There might be a different way that you handle things when it's uh, a group of people who are, uh, you know, physically around the table and it's like, like people that you maybe don't know, like or you kind, you kind of like, know, then there's, yeah, there's full on strangers of like, it's just a table full of people that you've never met before and, um, and a convention thing. And then there's also kind of like, uh, uh, you know, we have to think a little bit about how you approach that sort of stuff when it's entirely online. Because it's not so easy to just like, can I talk to you in the other room for a minute? <laughs> yeah. um, or, or if everything is kind of online, you can't catch them as easily before or after the game, or you have to, you know, like seek somebody out and try to have a conversation via an email or, you know, this it, it's message. not as easy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So what, what is everybody's thoughts um, on, uh, and, and, and I'm not looking for horror stories of any player conflict that you have uh, run into or stories that you've heard from others we're not looking to um you know to kind of tear you know tear into anybody for you know any missteps they've made in the past but what what can what can we do to kind of handle when personalities clash at the table and and 
and they do. I mean, you know, not everybody's going to get along with everybody. I know oh, yeah. I don't get along with everybody, you know, as much as I try to. Um, I think one thing is if you're the game runner, like if you're running the game, like the GM aspect, one of your, I mean, it's everybody's role to take care of one another, but your role is to make sure that all the players are comfortable playing the game with the materials and with themselves. My, my two rules in any game is be safe and have fun in that order. And um, for me, if one of my players doesn't feel safe, I always be like, I am an open, please message me, reach out to me if you're having any issues with anybody. I will do my best to help you out however I can. And um, I try to stay as open as honest as I can. Um, but when it comes to, I guess, things happening in the moment, like there's an intense scene that happens. Like, let's say some characters get into, some player characters get into an argument and I'm like, all right, cool. We're going to take a break now. Mm. We're all going to sit out for a second and just back up for a minute and breathe and then check in. Because I always check in at every single break just to make sure and at the end of the games. Um, of course, you know, in front of other people, they're not going to talk to you. But uh, if I do see an issue, I try to reach out to both everybody involved in, in the problems to see like, hey, boop, how are you doing? Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's checking in. We, we say this a lot on the podcast, like make sure you're talking to your players and I mean, you do that, open up a conversation. You're going to at least create an avenue for conflict resolution, if not circumvent it completely. So I come, I'm, I'm a teacher, so I have a lot of like classroom management experience and I feel like there is not, not that I'm treating my players like children, but classroom management allows you to work with the 30 different personalities in one classroom, all sharing a, the same goal of, you know, learning a lesson for that day. And that has a lot of analog, uh, analogies for gaming at a table um, and a lot of classroom management is not just what you're doing in the moment, but all of the, you know, like kind of the safety rails that you set up before and the procedures that you set up before. So when I have, I, I've, I've played for, you know, friend, I've, I've jammed for friends and I've also jammed for strangers of all ages. Uh, and when I've played with strangers, when I've been a GM, like in Adventurers League, for example, or at conventions, knowing how to kind of make yourself a presence at the table that is welcoming but also making sure like you said like the safety of everybody is important making sure that everyone's like their their comfort level is okay um and checking in often um especially when you're you know with with those strangers um and especially if they are teens uh teens you know, teens, teens aren't adults. They, they will do things and push boundaries. And, um, you know, they're still learning how to in, engage with other people. Um, and uh, the, the last thing you want to do as a GM is get into this uh, power struggle because you're not you're not the boss. When you're a GM, you're not the boss. You're not even a teacher. Like when I'm a teacher, I'm, I'm kind of a boss, but not really. It's, yeah. it's, it's, but you're not the boss. You're another player at the table. You don't want to start engaging in power struggles. You want to make sure that you're, I don't, yeah. you gotta have that conversation instead of a don't do this and, and do this and come on, let's all share our toys. I well, so. I think it's fair to say that you can like not to kind of, uh, you know, latch on to uh, what we've seen, you know, like on TV show, well, I mean, in real life, because that's where it's based in, but like in TV shows and movies where you get people that are having 
confrontations where you like use I statements, not you statements. Yeah. Like if you, know, if you want to don't, don't get accusatory, um, if at all possible. Um, I mean, like, like we said, there's, there's a lot of different approaches. It depends on, you know, kind of your relationship with the people involved, but, um, you know, it's probably anything you have to say to try to, um, mitigate conflict at the table is probably best handled individually with the person mm -hmm. that's causing the problem. Um, not calling them out in front of the other people. Uh, most people I think would probably feel targeted if they're kind of called out publicly, even if it's just the public is like three or four other players um, and just trying to be fair and, and magnanimous about everything, but also firm and saying, this is clearly causing a problem. This is, you know, um, you know, and listening to what the other side has to say, but being firm in where you see the problem to be. And you kind of are in the position, you know, the GM kind of gets in the position of, you said we're not the, you know, the GM's not the boss, but you're also kind of the judge in this moment. Like you have to you know, like look at both sides and decide, okay, where's the problem really? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and address that fairly. Yeah. And it's, you um, know, don't like a mediator in a way. Yeah, yeah. Be a mediator. Don't let, don't let yourself just get immediately swayed by someone which, and it can be difficult sometimes because a person who's causing a problem might be really charismatic and really easy to believe. And, um, you know, try to detach yourself from the emotion of it and just say, okay, well, what's going on here? Somebody's doing something. It's causing problems for this person, that person, another person. Um, and look at it from that point of view and take and kind of handle it away from the group. Like uh, Morgan said, if you need to, at a reasonable stopping point in the game, take, walk away, just take, take everybody like, okay, we're just going to walk away for a minute, step, step away from the table. Um, if you have the ability to do so, if the, 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 it can't be resolved, you know, kind of by just, you know, some, a lot of times these things will be resolved. Like the person didn't realize that they were causing the problem and yeah. you can talk to them and they'll be like, Oh, okay. I I'm sorry. I didn't realize that was a problem. I will rein it in. I will get that under control. I'll not do that again. Um, but you know, there's nothing to say that, you know, sometimes if the problem is coming out of, um, the game itself, where it's because players are getting attached to their characters and they're getting to character arguments that are clearly really player <laughs> arguments. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe you take a week and play a different game. That's just, everybody's just playing a board game where everybody's just trying to, you know, like a, ideally a cooperative board game or card game or something where everybody just kind of works together. There's no adversarial kind of thing going on. And then while that is kind of keeping the group cohesion happening, you can, you can talk to the person outside of the, the game um, environment. No, I think that's try to figure out what the issue is. Uh, go ahead, Mari. Okay. I was gonna say, if it's coming to like people are getting too invested in the characters, uh, it's a, this is a term that I learned from the LARP community. It's called bleed, where basically like your character's bleeding into your, yourself or yourself is bleeding into the character and therefore the emotions are mixed and you can't like differentiate the two. And so a good thing that you can do is debrief with them and be like, okay, we're going to take this time to de-roll and get ourselves out of these characters. So like, what's something you want to, about your character that you want to keep and what's something you want to put back in the box? And um, it's a great way to be like, to like actually think and be like logical about like why you're getting so attached and connected to these characters. It's just so you can actually have that, that separation. Cause sometimes it's nice to have a little bit of bleed. Cause sometimes it's good to feel the, if you can feel the feelings and the emotions, but like when it gets to like a negative, like aspect of like getting into arguments and being like really obsessed with your character, then it's like, uh, yeah. And then like, if it gets too much, like Craig said, 
definitely agree. Take a break. <laughs> Take a break mm -hmm. from the game. Go go play a board game. Go do a movie night. Something like. Yeah, and taking a break like that, like building relationships outside of that game and getting to know the people at your table's actual personalities is is so important. I I LARP or I used to when it wasn't dangerous. Um, after every, you know, you'd be you'd be in character twenty four hours a day for a whole weekend sometimes, and afterwards we would get out of our costumes, we would clean up our makeup and we'd go for breakfast that Sunday and we'd actually talk to each other and get to know each other um, and not always engage with each other in character. And if you're playing with a long-term group and, and not just like at a convention game, uh, you, you kind of need those downtimes where you, you can stop and get, okay, it's a snack break, let's snack and not talk about the game for right now. Or maybe do talk about it, but out of character. Yeah. Uh, board game nights, I love them, big fan great especially cooperative games um at a convention game you don't really need that as much because you're you're in that character for like uh, like maybe six hours at the most at most times uh and that's on the extreme end i would say that's a long time for yeah on the extreme end well some, some of the larps some of the larps that conventions yeah, go true. a little longer um but you're only you're only with them for a couple hours the the likelihood of of conflict arising at that time is a little lower actually because you're not constantly butting heads and uh you know everyone's usually in person and you see them walk up to the table and they have their little name badges like you kind of have those boundaries you need to figure out how you can form those boundaries between our, our role-playing game and and our and our and our people somehow uh -huh. <laughs> at your table yeah that's why at least for like now we keep bringing up larps but um it's a good idea like when people are like oh hey and they call me by my character name out of character i'm like hey my name is actually morgan please call me morgan right now because i am not my character until we're playing that game right and then they're like oh sorry i can't remember like multiple names I'm like well i mean at least try because it's kind of offensive that you keep calling me by my character name even though i'm not my character like <laughs> you know <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've definitely had that happen at LARPs. Um, it, that's kind of a thing that people do um, in Daggett here, but Daggett here is not really role-playing. Um, it's just like your fighter name. And I feel like that's a little easier, but mm. I, I can't, like, if I was called by my role-playing game character's name, I, don't, like, I would feel so weird about that. Yeah, like you're at like Denny's at like three o'clock in the morning, like, oh, hey, you know, you, I'm like, no, this isn't the place for that. Like that person murders people. I don't. Yeah, I was going to say, you can <laughs> remi remind them that <laughs> like, I'm, I'm a nice, happy person who likes playing these games with people at conventions or whatever. I'm not a person who, you know, I'm not a duplicitous <laughs> con man who <laughs> occasionally murders. Yeah. Um, let's keep that separate. That's, okay. that's all just play acting and fun, fun. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I uh, saw something on Twitter. I, I often find things on Twitter that we're about to talk about. It's, it's very funny how that comes up. Um, was someone questioning the role that a GM should take in being a mediator or a judge or like the person, the go-to person for conflict resolution at a table? Um, I, and I, I'm curious about what the two of you have to say about that. Uh, I'll see if I can pull up the actual tweet. Yeah, no, and that's great too, because like everybody should take care of each other at the table. The GM is also just another player, but they have more responsibilities and roles like facilitating the game and like, you know, playing the NPCs in the season and whatnot. 
do we add the additional labor of them being the the, the mediator and the judge on top of that? I, I guess because with facilitating the game, I guess you gotta because they are the ones facilitating the game itself. But it's also well, GMs are do a lot of work. <laughs> it's it's I think it's the fallback because it's the one role at the table that just by general definition is in a quote unquote control position. Yeah. Um, whereas the, the, the general player is not, unless you like, if the group has um, previously determined that, you know, well, you know, Jess is going to handle, um, you know, if, if something comes up and, and, you know, people are getting at each other and, and there's a problem at the table, you know, we'll say Jess is going to handle that because, you know, maybe because Jess has background in, in handling conflict with students, like she's dealt with that, she's experienced with it, she has some, but like, like if you don't default, if it doesn't default to the GM, then who steps in it, it yeah. requires a volunteer to somebody that's going to step in and say hey whoa whoa what's going on we've got yeah. a problem here and I, I not everybody that. is going to jump into that so that's i think where the the the, the, the question falls is like why does it have to be the gm well not you know well I'm, I'm worried that if it's not the gm it's nobody yeah and i know like with streaming and stuff you also have someone who's producing if they're not in the game or running the game and um you know sometimes producers will because they see it, they're they out, they're outside eyes, and they'll talk to the GM like, "Hey, do you want me to talk to these two people because of what I saw here and what happened?" And sometimes that will help, like having that outside um, set of eyes. And then another time too is, um, I actually here in Austin, Texas, there is a bar called Vigilante, and they did D and D nights every Monday and Wednesdays, where uh, you'll have basically like seven tables nothing but D&D tables and like they all play in the same world together and so the GMs coordinate and work together and um I've gotten to I was at a position where I was like hey I would just be like a, a conflict mediator so like I'll go around get to know the players and if there's any issues instead of them going to the bar owner because like the bar owner is running a table and like also running the bar I was like you can come to me and I can go talk to him if you don't feel like comfortable talking to him so I offered myself as a mediator when things were like a little like iffy and um, having someone like that, especially with big events would, would be great. Like maybe someone like that could be there for a con, but also at the same time, they're not going to be there to see exactly what went down, but having yeah. an outside source would be great. Yeah. It, it's not really reasonable, like for uh, like a, a game among friends you know like a regular your regular saturday game or whatever you're doing to have someone like that but maybe to have a setting up again like setting up this is how we're going to handle conflict and maybe that does fall to the gm oftentimes i think it has fallen to the gm because traditionally they're like the entertainer of the group they are handling all the rules and it's often their house uh <laughs> but like just putting that at your session zero here's how we're going to handle our conflict this is the go-to person for mediation or like you can bring up your concerns here uh yeah but i, I love the idea of having something like that at a, a convention for example yeah <laughs> or at a game store because most of the times i've had like issues at the table have been when i've done adventurers league because a lot of like it's it's people coming in yeah. certain expectations and they're often a younger crowd um, again i love kids they're great but they're still learning they're still learning how to handle things um 
And it's often fallen on me to be like, okay, listen, you're not the boss here. You got to stop. You can't, you can't be the one kicking down every single door. You cannot do this. <laughs> oh gosh. That, that reminds me of, um, I, I don't know if you all know free RPG day, right? Like that happens like once a year. Yeah. I, I ran it once for, I, I ran games once for, I, um, store here as running kids on bikes and there is a child with his mom and they're both playing and the child is just like going ham and he's like i want to kill things i'm like oh child mm. you are eight <laughs> this is not the game that does that <laughs> and his mom's like i'm so sorry i'm like just i'm like okay <laughs> please watch your kids media <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, that's great that you have the parent there, <laughs> too, because um, I've had uh, instances where people just drop off their children. I'm like, hello, it, can he even use the microwave yet? Hello. <laughs> um, but <laughs> like, like free babysitting. Here you go. Play D&D. Have fun. Go to this comic book shop. <laughs> not a, not, I'm a GM, not a babysitter. Let's not do this. Right. Oh. Speaking to that, um, the convention. Uh, situation or the game day situation and knowing if there's someone um, who can step in and help handle situations um, in some cases to just, you know, perhaps just be the mediator and try to help smooth things out um, and play the, you know, the voice of reason to kind of help work, work it, work it through. Um, but then also group of strangers, you know, potential that you've got a person that is a real problem and just needs to go. Um, that yeah. when it comes to having a game at a convention is, and I, I've got a couple of things here that just have to do with like general, actual, physical, real world, your safety. Um, and as if you are at a, at a game day or a convention is like, know who the backup is, know who oh, yeah. you're going to go to. If something like, if somebody yeah. needs to like really just be removed from the, the venue, um, who, who is in charge of that? It doesn't fall to you. That's not your job. I let um, them know, and that—that's when they bring in the big guns. Yeah, and you know, it's and and it's it's it, it can go both directions as far as like the GMs. Like I myself, I'm a white guy. I'm a big, tall guy. You know, like I think I I could be stern, and I can get somebody to get up and walk away from the table if I need to, probably. Mm -hmm. um, but you shouldn't also assume that I am going to do that. And if, if things go badly and, 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 and nobody should be on the hook for that. And, you know, if a person is a, we certainly shouldn't assume that like, you know, somebody who is a full foot shorter than somebody who's being a problem, it's going to somehow handle the situation. Like, you know, there needs to be like, ideally with, with any sort of uh, game day and online too, people that, you know, who, there, there needs to be like with an online convention, there needs to be somebody who's monitoring what's going on in that online convention at any given time, who has the ability to kick people yeah. from the channel of whatever you're using. Yeah. Um, and um, also, um, and this is something to keep in mind, um, if you're GMing in your home, um, is knowing, like, just be aware that if you suddenly are dealing with a person who is fully belligerent, um, you've invited somebody into your home, maybe they've turned out to not be a good fit for the group, they're being a problem, be aware that you have invited them into your home and they know now, you know, they know where you live. They know yeah. where your home is. And so, and and I'm, I'm not yeah. saying that gives you any rights or, you know, like the, you shouldn't do anything. Like I'm, I'm not trying to tell you, tell you anything, but it's one of those things that just please be aware mm -hmm. that if you're going to be in a situation where you're going to be 
um, just whoever's hosting the game, this goes for you, no matter what, like if you're, if you're bringing people into your home and you don't know them that well, um, just keep that in mind. Like, what would you do if something goes sideways with one of these people that you don't really know very well? That's one of those things that's going to come up more when um, that app uh, crawler really gets rolling or apps like that where you, what is it? it's kind of like a Tinder, but for TTRPG games, find an adventuring group on this app. Oh. Yeah, I would definitely like like a date. I would have like that game in a public space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or meet with them first in a public space. Um, that that is, um, that's how I got into one of my gaming groups. Found them online. Uh, they invited me. Like, hey, come meet me at this Panera. I want to talk to you in person. Kind of get get the vibe before I give you my address. Um, that's always, it's always a good idea to do that. But, you know, if you have a local game store that's actually open, you, a lot of times they'll, you know, let you reserve space there and you can kind of keep the safety there. And that's probably preferred if you're someone like me who I'm five, two on a good day. Uh, (laughs) I'm five, one at most. So I feel you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You really like when you're, when you're short like this, you you really want to get those, those decimal points in here. Like I'm five point. I'm five, five, five one and five a quarter. Foot, five foot two and three quarters on in my bare Thank feet. Thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but Craig, it is it is sometimes uh, with conflict resolution. Sometimes the resolution is you can't come play with us anymore. That I, I'm like sometimes you you're you're not going to resolve the conflict in the way that everyone can continue on in the game, the way that you have been continuing. Sometimes there are irreconcilable differences and the game's supposed to be fun and comfortable for everybody. And if there's somebody at the table that's making it uncomfortable for another person, that person should go. Um, if, I- if, they, if they realize what they're doing, you tell them what they're doing and they continue at that behavior. Now it's becoming on purpose. Like really when, when you bring something up, like, hey, the thing that you're saying or like the things that you're doing here at the table is upsetting. I feel this way when, when you do it and their reaction is to get mad about it or like overly defensive about it. That's a red flag. It's sending up red flags all over the place. Uh, maybe cut the cord. And that goes for if they've crossed the line, even if like they promise they'll be good, it may be irreversible yeah. at this point. Yeah. You, you or other people at the table may be like, I no, I just don't feel good about having this person. What, at the table once anymore, I feel period. Person, Even, they could, they could be perfectly fine yeah. for the next year, but in the back of my head, I'm going to think, and at some point, this person is going to go off and cause problems here, and it's going to diminish my ability to enjoy doing this because I'm always going to be walking on eggshells, wondering if this person's going to get, you know, become a problem again. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just like, as soon as like something like a red flag pops up, I'm like. Mm. Do I want this in my life? Do I want to deal with this again? Like, yeah. It's important to note that you as the GM, or if you're a player at this table, you don't owe anybody at that table a good time, participation in the game, entry into your home or your gaming circle or any, you don't owe anybody anything. Or your time and emotional energy. If the conflict is such that like, you're just, you don't want to even deal with it. It's okay to even like if you need to scrap the game because it's tiring for you that's a choice like you you have to make that choice for your own personal well-being sometimes uh it's sad but you know if you have a group of people you put together and it turns out everyone hates each other seven ways sideways you 
you gotta get another group. It's okay. And maybe you'll play a different game with that person, but with another group of people. Sometimes their conflict, their personalities are just going to clash and they're not going to get along. And maybe that's not the right group for for them, even if it's not like it doesn't have to be toxic. It doesn't have to be belligerent. It can just be like annoying or like uh, like yeah. you don't get along. Let's not do this just, anymore. Just some people it's like Water and glue. Some things just don't mix. Or what? Water, water, water and oil. Which what you know those saying? Like yeah. It's it's like those. It's like two people that don't mix. Like like uh two things that don't mix. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> pick pick your two things. Two whatever two orange things. Juice. There we go. Oh yeah. <laughs> Both good in separate contexts. Yeah. <laughs> Not together. <laughs> so that's that's the takeaway for this for this is um you know don't be the toothpaste in somebody's orange juice (laughs) don't be the toothpaste at breakfast (laughs) yeah um after breakfast yes and uh yeah if if you if you need to ask somebody to leave if you need to um talk to somebody and try to smooth something out um there are a lot of ways to do it hopefully some of the things we've talked about gives you some ideas about how to handle it should it come up for you there's also lots and lots of resources because this is a topic that has been talked about for 50 years and will continue to be talked about um into the future i'm sure luckily oh go ahead i was gonna say one last thing i was gonna say is um i always have an open door policy for my my games so if someone doesn't feel comfortable with things that happen and they just they're like i'm gonna go i'm like okay you know, if you want to talk to me about it, you're more long to. If not, that's you don't have to. I just I'm here for you if you want to like tell me anything that's happening. So I know how to be better or I can handle the situation. But if you just want to go, I love you. Don't be a stranger. Like you're more welcome to leave. Like, you know? yeah. Yeah. And luckily, stuff like that doesn't happen too often. The majority of time things go pretty smoothly. You know, little conflicts can be handled with a simple like, hey, let's 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 not do this anymore. Um, I've only had two games where I've had to like, someone's had to be kicked out of the game and I've been playing for 15 years. Uh, so I've been doing this a, a lot. I've, I've never had a situation where um, my, my safety was in jeopardy or anything like that. Um, but it's important to have safety plans, have your emergency backup. You gotta, you gotta have your, your safety net because you might fall off. I'm going to do more analogies. Yeah. I'm like, screw up. So I'm going to stop now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's, let's talk about conflict resolution in a different manner. Let's talk about conflict resolution when you're actually designing games. So that, um, trying to segue, segue. Conflict resolution mechanics. Yes. Yeah. Um, again, <laughs> Again, we're probably not going to cover the every topic. Every there's a lot of different ways to do it, um, but uh, yeah, like let's let's talk a little bit about different ways um, mechanically in a game that you can handle um, conflict resolution of any you know any type. But we can we can talk about certainly combat is the kind of the fallback for conflict uh, mechanics, but there are other types of conflict mechanics in games as well. So are we talking about in character or out of character conflict mechanics? Game design, like actually, okay. like what what does I mean, like the traditional I mean, is you know yeah. you've got an attack roll and there's a number you got to hit, target number that you want to hit, and if you hit, then there's some sort of effect. To be honest, combat is like s- one of my least favorite things in design to like work with. Like we're uh, so I don't know if y'all knew right now. Um, I don't know when, when is this going to be released. I don't just just 
this week probably okay so so recent okay so we just finished our kids and capes uh streaming with hunters entertainment for design and they were talking combat i'm like y'all go ahead i'm just gonna sit here because i have nothing to add <laughs> combat's well, we one of my least favorite things yeah we can, but... we can we can speak to conflict resolution in general i, no, I no, tried no, not I to just, make it you brought a comment that's brought a combat good, just so. because it's it's the, it's the fallback it's the go-to yeah. but we can certainly talk you know a great deal about well one thing um, i'm really loving about indie games though recently is that they're adding safety tools within the design itself which is so necessary so they'll have like uh x cards like written in the game or they'll like have like hey, this is how you can handle like conflict issues within the game itself. So having safety tools within the design of the game is such a good thing. It makes me so happy. No, that's that's really important. Making an integral part of the game rather than a add-on. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that, again, goes a really long way to preventing that interpersonal conflict. Uh, for sure, like out of character kind of conflict. Um, but uh, I think like mechanically, uh, when you're when you're designing a game, you have to think about like what type of conflict are people going to be in in this game? Because sometimes games don't have combat at all. Um, yeah, some games have literally like it's the interpersonal conflict of the characters in the game, the drama that ensues there, mm -hmm. um, and you don't need to necessarily do the same things that you do in a, in a sorority fight fight combat as you would this high stakes, emotional drama yeah. scene. Um, and, and tailoring your mechanics for that can be fun. It can be really fun. Yeah. And that's what I love about PBTA games is because they're very genre specific sort of games. So like this is your genre, genre emulator that like monster of the week, it's going to be supernatural stuff. So like, you'll have like, some things are like passing de los pasiones is still the same system, but it's telenovela drama. So like, you know, it's very, very different on that aspect and like how uh, each of those designers look at like, okay, what is going to be in this game and um, reflect that it is just really cool. So definitely thinking about the genre of the game that you're going to have. Yeah. And in games like out. that, like, no, you don't, you have like in a lot of power by apocalypse games, you might have health, but there's not really like an armor class. You're not rolling to hit to see if you hit somebody. You're rolling to see if you succeed mm -hmm. based on your own dice. Um, if you're doing a game like Pasión de la Pasiones, uh, is that's, I, I think I pronounced that correctly. I have no idea. I don't speak Spanish. Um, <laughs> you're not gonna. You're not gonna have you know the same kinds of resolution mechanics as. Pathfinder, where it's all about swinging big weapons at other people mm -hmm. wearing big armor. Yeah. You have to really think about that and consider it at the front when you're designing your game. Um, yeah, it doesn't and make sense sometimes. Yeah, and going back to Pass and Dispositions, or uh, they have and like Mask and Chimera, they all have conditions instead of hit points. Mm -hmm. So you be you take on a condition of like what you're being affected by. Like um, I have uh, Pass and Dispositions up right now. Uh, you'll t like for El Jefe, you'll be like, like uh, righteous, so or like raging, so you get like a plus one to like strike out, but a negative two to spot something because you're so angry. And so, um, Nask has the same situations with their conditions, um, where like you'll become insecure. So like whenever someone has influence over you, you kind of allow it to happen more, and like you get better, you get. Where's a certain like skill sets and all that, but you're better at some other one. So it really reflects the 
the condition or the the, the situation that your character is currently in. Yeah, and there are a lot of games that use conditions in pretty interesting ways. A lot of mystery games do conditions because you don't want your detective to die right at the beginning of the game. Yeah. It's more interesting to put a condition on them and make things more challenging instead of just murder them straight out. Uh, there, there are all sorts of things you can play with that don't involve HP, AC, and D20s. Mm-hmm. There's a world out there. Yeah, these are like emotional HP. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's something that a lot of designers will refer to kind of generically as um, uh, social combat. Mm-hmm. Where um, and that just helps people to kind of think of it as like okay, there's like you're 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 attempting to do something socially rather than physically to NPCs or other characters or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's certainly there's you know the 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 style of game of um, you know not just having binary pass fail kind of stuff. There's failing forward and failing with complications and um, you know you know, uh, feeling, you know, succeeding well, barely succeeding, ex- succeeding really well. And those can all have different um, uh, uh, resolutions, dis- uh, different outcomes. And, you know, it, it, it might involve um, characters getting physically hurt um, and it might not. And something to think about like right from the get-go is with your game is like, I once got into a discussion with somebody about um, a game uh, idea that they were designing and they start saying that you using this system and da, 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 And I said, well, do you really need hit points? I mean, like what you're describing doesn't sound like you're going to be killing characters. So yeah. um, that, that that's a way to rethink of like, well, do I even need like attacks in the same way um, that that game system uses? Because if you remove hit points, then what's the point of attacking? Well, now you've got to do, like you said, conditions or, mm-hmm. or some other thing like you could, or you could have, um, you could have hit points um, that don't, ultimately kill if you get drained all the way down like i could see um if you had a game that was built around melodrama um where you're not planning to kill characters but there will be there will still be physical altercations that you could have (laughs) two characters get into a fight somebody drops to zero hits or whatever um and that's what lands them in the hospital and they have the big you know now you can have the big dramatic (laughs) hospital scene where their family comes to visit them and oh my goodness are they going to be all right and who's in the will and like you could take it in so many directions then Um, they even though even though the game yeah i mean i actually speaking of amnesia in hospital scenes uh pasan los pasiones of course it does it has (laughs) meltdowns where your character like once they hit all their conditions they have a meltdown so, like, for, um, let's see here, uh, La Empleada, all the deception and plotting is simply too much for your pure heart. You seek solace in the arms of the closest sympathetic person. You spill your guts to them, all your feelings. Maybe you fall into the arms of an old love. Maybe you go back to someone who's burned you before. Tomorrow you'll have to face the consequences, but tonight you'll com- take comfort where you can find it. I love that. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah, so, like, it's just that very, like, you've, you've gone through so much, you're just going to break. <laughs> that's a great mechanic just um, just at, conceptually is um if you've got these you know like you said conditions or markers or tracks of things that you're you're building up and if you get to a certain threshold with one or two of them something happens but if you get to a threshold with over half of them or all of them or 
even a certain combination of them, depending on how crunchy you want to get with that particular part of the mechanic, you could have all sorts of things happen yeah. to characters and, you know, what, however you're designing, whatever, whatever the dice system is, you could literally have like, you know, like the resolution of the conflicts could happen in so many different ways, depending on how you're kind of mixing and matching these conditions. Yeah. And I like for another one is monster hearts where they'll have the darkest self. So like the darkest self is like whenever you break quote unquote, um, I mean, it has a harm tracker, which like a, just like a little four like clock, but your harm sometimes relates to going darkest self, but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes there is a trigger of some sorts that triggers off your darkest self. So like, like, let's say I play the queen in monster hearts and one of my lackeys is like not doing what I asked them to do. And like, I just snap <laughs> and the the queen will go into their darkest self and like cause chaos because yeah. and just melt down essentially as a a queen in high school quote unquote <laughs> yeah and that that's when when you're thinking about this from from that design point of view you you do want to think about thematically what kinds of conflicts are my characters going to get in um I, I, I love the example of like the telenovela style because you're not getting into sword fights. You're getting into screaming matches and, and powerful love speeches and dramatic faintings and evil twins. Like that's the kind of conflict you're going to go for. So you start with, okay, here, here are the situations I expect my players to get into. Then what are the options? So this spectrum of success and failure or anywhere in between or out of that spectrum, what are some of those options for them? And then how are we going to get to those options? So are you going to roll dice? Are you going to flip cards? Are you going to pull out Jenga tower pieces? Are the players going to decide like what's going to happen exactly there? And then finally, what happens as a result? I mean, you're just kind of figuring out those tracks and the more thematically you can link it again, when you're talking about, uh, passiones. I'm just going to abbreviate it there so I don't have to, I can pronounce that word. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the, the meltdowns at the end, that's, that's so typical of the, of the, the telenovela style, mm -hmm. having something thematic from point A to point B there. It's, mm -hmm. I, oh, it's, it's delicious. It's, that's, it makes mm. the game, it makes you really invest in the game and like, really like, and be able to immerse yourself in the style of play itself. Like, it's just, it's great. Like, uh, for example, we're doing the kids and capes design again, and we're talking about combat and um, how I don't know if y'all have ever played any of the kids on bikes system games at yeah. all. Kids on bikes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, so you roll your dice and if you meet the number, you beat it. If you don't, you get a diversity token. And then, like how far away from that number is like how well you did or how poorly you did. Um, so we're thinking of like, you know, because these are kids coming into their own as superheroes that like if they do super well, like way too well, if they go like, let's say the set number was an eight and they roll like an 18. Ah. Uh, yeah, you do it, but you also throw the bad guy through that building and the building behind it and the building behind that and you just cause a lot of collateral damage. I love that. That's cool. Like having a yeah. negative consequence for an ultimate success. That's yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, so. You, do you like good, good strong hands then? That's the whole game is built around that. <laughs> The, design, the game that I, the game that I designed. Yeah. That's when you do super heroic things, the void notices you and tries to corrupt you because you've just proven yourself to be a hero. 
Yeah, I haven't played Good Song Hands yet. Uh, I, uh, I need to. to. I need to pick it up. We're going to have to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Nerd Burger Con's coming up. I'll play it then. <laughs> I'm just going to write this down to look at later. Good, strong hands. Um, and and uh, I'm just going to mention, like, just because I, I kind of built the mechanics there, too, is that, like, you were talking about there's all these different ways that you can kind of get to the resolution. But there's also a lot of, you know, you can look at all the different ways that you might get to the, the, the resolutions that you know, there's a lot of different resolutions that you can get to, but there's also a lot of different ways you can get there. And um, you don't have to rely on just like, oh, well, if I fight somebody that always going to result in the, 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 the adversary getting killed, there could be, um, you know, there's knocking unconscious and there's all that sort of stuff too. But then I went so far with good, strong hands just to design it as like, whenever there's a conflict, whenever there's a challenge in the game, they're referred to as challenges. They, it might take one or more um, successful hits on dice, you know, dice rolls, um, to, to defeat, to, to deal with the challenge. So like if the challenge is a six, uh, box challenge, it's got six check boxes. The GM is kind of marking off as you go. It could be a fight and you could have characters that are physically fighting, you know, the evil puppet, <laughs> whatever it is, that's coming at you in good, strong hands. Um, or you could, but you could also have somebody who is taunting it or trying to trick it and using social roles or, or, uh, you know, intellect roles. Um, and that, and all of those count equally in those checkboxes and whoever gets the last checkbox gets to kind of that, that's kind of determines like, how did you defeat it? Did you, did the person finally fell it in a, with a, with a, with a punch or a sword swing? Did the, did the person who was taunting it manage to finally get it to kind of, uh, lose its mind and like, you know, to, to, uh, to, um, uh, uh, Get, you know, break kind of it. mentally mentally break it. Did you did you manage to trick it to fall into a hole so now it can't <laughs> hurt anybody? Like you know, whatever it is that you did, there's um, you can build mechanics that the mechanics don't have to be so specifically defined as like well, when you make a body check, it's always something physical. It's always going to be a fight. It's always going to be this and that. It could be you know you can you can use um, the other there there are ways to use other checks and other skills and abilities to get to the end of a resolution. You know, like you see it in even games that are very strictly defined where you've got to, you know, like if, if, if you're looking to defeat some a monster, you know, in D and D where you're looking to reduce its hit points to zero. Um, and somebody comes, you know, some player comes up with like this really out there use of a spell the, the you know, the GM assigns like, okay, well, what does, what does that mean? That might, you know, affect the monster in some way by using this interesting ability or, or magic item or something you might, penalize them in some way you might just mark some hit points off it's like that that just like mentally or whatever like you know it's something that messes with them makes them less effective makes them so that they're not going to be able to fight as long because in DD hit points aren't just physical wounds you know they're yeah. all these different factors supposedly that are kind of meshed together and so like why why can't you have a social like taunting the heck <laughs> out of somebody <laughs> out of the adversary to the point that they can't think straight and figure and, and stay focused on the task of trying to pummel the dwarf um, <laughs> is just as effective or can be like in, in the right kind of game playing system in the right narrative is yeah. uh, you know, you're like, like, thank you. Thank, thank you, Kender, or thank you, uh, you know, Wiley gnome for, you know, playing all those tricks on the, the vampire because the vampire couldn't like tear my head off <laughs> because it was constantly dealing with your goofiness. Um, and that's how he defeated the vampire. Yeah, and think, through jokes. Yeah, thinking of D and D itself, or like any of those like combat oriented games, because it is a combat oriented game. Mm -hmm. You know, it's focused on the combat first. 
Um, yeah, you're right. HP does cover all that because uh, at least with D&D, they have mental like different types of damage like listed together. But the, the HP itself is like one big number. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so it just tips all of that. And you got to remember like, okay, cool. This character's immune to charm, but like also is vulnerable to fire or like you know stuff like that yeah. it's a lot <laughs> i hardly play D, &D anymore because it's a well, lot if, and if, if a monster for example is down to a couple of hit points and, and you know the characters don't necessarily know that and somebody whips off with some non-combat sort of thing but it's like this really effective thing that should be really devastating then you can find a way to make it really devastating you know devastating to the to the extent that it ends the threat yeah um sure. and you can and you can design a game to allow those types of things to end the threat. Yeah, if you if you want people to play things in your game that aren't, if you want to encourage people to be goofy and and swashbuckly and and tricky, you have to make sure that things are in place to uh, reward that character. Is a weird way to say, it, but reward that that character and player for doing those things successfully. However, that's defined in the game. Um, it, it's it's not fun if. I it, like if I wanted to play a, a, a tricksy little rogue who sneaks up behind people and and gives them wedgies or whatever. I, ties I their like, shoelaces together. Like if if, <laughs> if if that's what I as a GM uh, as a game designer, I mean, am expecting out of my players. I, there should be something in there, yeah, for that to work. And uh, it should not be significantly harder than to fight them. And it should have an equal chance of yeah. like being as devastating as the fight. It should be equally, it should be on roughly equal footing at least. You know, there might, there's always a little bit of variation because it's kind of a question of like, well, what weapon are you using? What dice do you roll? Blah, blah, blah. There's, yeah. there's some variation, but don't be like, oh, well, you tie the, you know, you tie the, <laughs> the, the, the lich's shoelaces together. <laughs> and well, they just, you know, levitate and float around. Yeah. Like no, like that's if, no. if the game if, if 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 in the game you're supposed to be able to get something cool out of tying the legend shoelaces together, then don't don't negate it in the yeah. In the game allow design. these players to have their moment of like have doing their design it to do thing. that. Yeah, and I know a lot of like once again D and D doesn't have like outlets of it, and that's why a lot of homebrew happens. Mm -hmm. And like people are like, oh yeah, sure, whatever. Oh, you get an, like one of my GMs. Um, I remember specifically. Uh, I would roll a natural one, like, and if you roll a natural one, it fell. However, it fell in a like a really cool way, and you get to choose how that cool way happens. Because she allowed the narrative aspect of mm. the game. Like, yeah, it fails, but like, how does it fail? Like, tell me what happened. Like, and then like, I'll give you inspiration if you give me like a really cool way of how it failed. So I really loved that when it when it came to D and D. Yeah, that's, that's really important in a lot of indie, indie design too, are like these aspects of describing how things happen instead of just a, a black and white, you, you passed or you failed. Um, degrees of success are, are a lot more common, I feel like, in, in these games. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, failing forward, again, is a really common tactic. Because you want a mechanic. <laughs> yeah, I love failing forward. That's why I love PBTA. Uh, like all of these, these, or successes with complications, uh, thinking about what you want out of the drama of your game and, and making it happen in the mechanics in one way or another. Yeah. And um, you, Craig, I think you mentioned, I don't know, it was Craig or Jess, you all mentioned the, the Jenga mechanics earlier. And I was like, yes, that is so good. Holy cow. Like just having the tension mm -hmm. of like the game and being in the physical like representation of a Jenga tower. And you're like, like for dread, like dread's mechanics are just because it, it builds that tension and that 
that character conflict. Like, right. okay, I can't do this thing. However, if I do this thing, it's going to possibly kill me because that thing is like balancing one-on-one right now. Like, <laughs> it, is, it is a breeze from falling over. <laughs> yeah. 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 Make it, that's a great example of, of the actual, like, randomizer quote-unquote randomizer we talked about that last week and it, it my my brain is still messed up from it um but uh the randomizer with the actual conflict resolution tied together uh, just so beautifully thematically it's yeah. wonderful and then if they're like all right cool we're gonna go for it and they just push the tower over and they're like yeah i don't care if this kills me i'm like yes let's do this all right this, <laughs> how, this is how the story is going to go and just give them that beautiful like ending that they wanted because they pushed the tower over um because you know just yeah. work together I, that's what i love about narrative storytelling is just like you're working together and you're all building that story together and just it shows a little story and it feels good it's <laughs> one of the things i don't like about D is that when you do fail it's like your, your turn's done womp womp you know like, great <laughs> yeah it, it it's so much more fun to have um to have that resolution and be like the like actually mean something like let let my failure mean something here other than i missed a turn and this yeah. is going to go longer than i want it to mm-hmm. okay. um and i think that goes to just looking at the design holistically and looking at all the little all the little compartments all the little pieces of the design and how like if you've got if you've kind of figured out like oh this is where i want it to go this is like how you're going to perform actions these are the possible outcomes well all of the peripheral stuff like spells and magic magic items and monster abilities and all that sort of thing can have an effect on those as well i made um a conscious effort with um good strong hands and it's happened in nowhereville as well that both they both use the same system and the monsters, the, the, the bad things don't have a lot of special abilities. And I chose that on purpose because um, the more special abilities, first of all, um, the, I don't want the fights lasting forever. So they're probably not going to get to use a lot of abilities. Mm-hmm. So you're just writing a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and, and second of all, um, the more special abilities I give to the monster, the more chances that somebody's going to try something, the GM is going to use the monster ability that's written right there, and it's going to kind of negate or womp womp the thing that the player just tried. So like, you know, like I said, I made the, the joke earlier about like you tie the Lich's shoelaces together. Well, all Liches can levitate, says so right here in the Lich description. So now that, that you're like, but the Lich, you know, if the Lich has 20 abilities, it's going to take, a, it might take a little while before players find the things that like you know those those funky weird things that are actually going to take because the the monster's got too many ways to get around it and there are games where that's kind of the point is that you gotta you gotta just keep going because this monster's got a ton of spells and abilities and magic items and whatnot and you have to find the the thing that's going to hit and the thing that's going to really do the job but if your design is not built around that idea if your design is to make sure that every time the players are trying something weird or interesting um even if it's not swinging a sword, um, and especially if it's not swinging a sword, that there, there there's not going to be a bunch of stuff kind of built into other aspects of the game that are going to okay. kind of take that away. Yeah, and I, that's why I love like game like focus on that, like making each person's actions like memorable and like worthy of like a thing. Because like when you're playing D and D and everybody's like doing their turns, it you know you're sure you're doing the hit point stuff, but like is it really memorable like is it like really like 
okay, you swing and you miss. Like, okay, cool. I'm going to sit out for the next 10 minutes until my turn comes around again. Because, like, it takes good. forever. Oh, God. It's, it's so long. <laughs> it's, uh, but just... if that's the game you're designing yeah. <laughs> and that's the players, those are the players you're going after. Some people like it. Some people that's do great. like it. Does, does, that's design that game where you're going to yeah. have super crunchy, super tactical. You've got a billion options. Um, but just be aware that all those options, um, it's they don't just provide options to the players. They also provide options to the GMs and they provide different ways that, certain, you know, like the more damage, the more types of damage resistance there are, the more players need to have access to all of the things that get around all those damage resistance. And that's just the general statement. It applies in every way because the more special, you know, all, all those funky abilities that, that um, a magic item can confer to someone or the super, you know, if somebody has a bunch of superpowers that like makes them impossible to deal with, yeah. you just be, be, be aware of all of that because mm -hmm. you are designing for that. You're designing the play experience and all those little, all those little subsystems can affect the overall goal. Yeah. And also if you're playing, like you go back to your Lich theory, your Lich hypothetical, if you, if you out of character, out of GM know that like the shoes are tied, but the Lich wouldn't know that, like, let the players have their moment. Have the lich walk and have them fall on their face. Just... And then they hit the ground and their mandible goes flying, skittering across the floor. And yeah, just <laughs> yeah, sure. And then like maybe after that they'll float up, but like allow them to have that moment. Like ah, oh, yes, I did something that's worthy. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll, yeah. Don't don't take that take their joy away from them because they're like they wanted to do something creative by like instead of attacking, they just tie the shoelaces. Allow it to breathe, allow it to happen, allow it to like provide that because as GMs in, in those sort of games, you are the, you know, the quote unquote entertainer as mentioned before, you're the one helping bring the story to life and like doing everything else. Help bring that story to life and help continuing their narrative whenever you're, bring, you're talking about it. Mm -hmm. And as, yeah. as a designer, you can guide the GM in doing that by how you describe the game working by having yeah. examples of where that happens where you say well you know like do, use the example I, now i want to see somebody design a game and have the example be of the thief tying the lich's shoelaces together and how that plays out in the game uh, i'm thinking about making a little what, what game. are the what are the options different ways you could go with that I'm thinking about making a little game where you're like working in a dungeon you're like a little lich's lackey and you're it's you're the office prankster <laughs> i mean there is adventure skeletons by i think i don't know if it's like grant howard or somebody else but it's a one page like sort of a game where uh your skeleton's in a dungeon and then you go off into the real world instead of someone coming into your dungeon and then like they're like oh no skeletons <laughs> your skeletons going on an adventure like <laughs> Hey, hey, Jess, can the can the office prankster that's in the uh, in the Lich's dungeon, can they be the great, 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 great grandchild of the Lich's mentor? So the Lich can't do anything to them. They have to keep them around. Like, I owe this guy. I owe him. I like that, actually. That's great. Yeah, it, think of your intent as a as a game designer. Like, really, just think like, what do you want? Imagine a game. Sit down and imagine a game of your game, a session of your game, I should say, and uh, write write for that intention. Uh, don't just don't just write what other people have been doing. Don't don't write another D and D clone unless you are actually trying to do that. I guess some people enjoy it. Yeah. 
uh, but yeah, this has been a lot of fun. I, I, I really, yeah, this has been great. Thank y'all so much for inviting me to come yeah. on y'all. And, uh, Morgan, where, where can we find you? Where, what do you, what do you have to plug for us and where can we find you? Yeah, sure. So I, uh, hello again, I'm Morgan. Um, even if I mean all the socials at Serena Bezos, that's S I R E N A B E S O S. Uh, you can find me there on t- mainly on Twitter because that's where I share all of my stuff. But I also do a lot of work for Utopia, which is a streaming channel for uh, people of color by people of color. So we do a lot of stuff. Uh, we're currently running a because uh, uh, BIPOC Day is happening in September. Uh, it's, it's basically is coming off the 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 um, coming off inspiration from the uh, Black FA Day that happened in May. So it's very celebration of people, uh, people of color, like just like celebrating who they are and like being vampires. Cause so in turn, we are doing a, a BIPOC BAM jam where we're running, like hosting for bi- uh, people of color designers to write vampire games so we can host and run them that weekend. So I'm very awesome. excited about that. Yeah. Uh, you can also uh, follow our work for the kids and capes, which is a kids on bike system for basically kids becoming superheroes uh, <laughs> with that system. It's We just finished our six week uh, streaming design on the Hunters Entertainment channel. So we're just now gonna start actually writing the game now. Awesome. <laughs> and, um, but we do have play tests. So if you wanna sign up, if you're interested in play testing, we're, we're slowly collecting emails and stuff. So you're welcome to join us there. But uh, yeah, I do a lot of streaming. I do some writing. Um, I do some podcasting work. Powered by the Players is a PPTA podcast that is a has a rotating diverse cast, and we play mini campaigns and one shots. Um, I do a lot. Just follow me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Just it's easier there. <laughs> well, um, I'm looking forward to uh, the the Vamp Day. That that sounds like a, a lot of fun to follow. I loved the 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 Fay Day. That was the the oh, was the so BIPOC Fay Day. It, I was just like yes. I just I was so alive that day right it felt so good (laughs) (laughs) my twitter feed was awesome yeah Mm -hmm. um i am joss geyer you can find me on twitter at at joska uh i also with wannabe games uh have a game that we're gonna start pre we're gonna have our landing page for our kickstarter next month i think it is a a, an uh an anti-corporatist semi-modern fantasy So uh, <laughs> I do love a good urban fantasy. You'll 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 see me talking about that on on the social media soon. And uh, I'm Craig Campbell. You can find me at Nerdburger Craig and uh, go to nerdburgergames.com. Uh, games are also available at Drive Through RPG and um, the Kickstarter for Secrets of the Vibrant Isle, which is a solo RPG of fantastical island exploration and making friends is uh coming up in october i think and uh nerdburger con online um the, the second one is coming up too that's going to be october 16th and 17th um i've got people submitting events right now um and we're going to have a couple dozen events and we'll do it all through the discord and we'll have a lot of fun thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you back here next time